Hi, and welcome to Eat My Words, a twice-monthly Arizona Highways podcast that celebrates Arizona's unique culinary culture. I'm your host, Kelly Vaughn. On this episode of Eat My Words, I'm pleased to introduce my friend Jonathan Buford, co-founder of Arizona Wilderness Brewing Company. John, welcome. Thank you for joining me. Excited to be here. I I love the name too. I do want to eat your words. Awesome. Thank you. (laughs) So y'all have been in business for, is it safe to say several years now? Uh, We're at the seven and a half mark. So, you know, seven and a half years of all the things. Maybe you can give me just a brief history of how Arizona Wilderness came to be. Yeah, it's one of those long-winded stories, uh, and I, I can, I've gotten good in seven and a half years at telling it quickly, but it, most listeners should understand when I say the West called me, they should understand some form of what that means. Um, I didn't really point to Arizona my whole life and say, that's where I'll end up. Um, I was in Ohio when I was uh, 18 and kind of battling the chaos of being 18 in a place where you grew up, where everyone knows each other. Tried to live in Columbus, Ohio for a while and didn't work out so well. And I just ended up out here because a friend who was battling something. And I always wanted to go to California. I was born in Los Angeles, moved away at three months, never lived there, but just always said I'd go west. Little did I know what Arizona had in store. And as I got out here, I um, feel like I can connect with a lot of our consumer who understands that Midwestern values um, turn to Arizona values, what that actually means. And part of that is coming here on, by car, a 1988 rusted out uh, Chevrolet hatchback. Um, driving from Gallup, New Mexico to Phoenix is uh, every human's rite of passage to the West, in my opinion, uh, that or the Great Divide. Um, in Colorado, but I think that the 40 is a perfect way to do it. And then the 17 down is the, the call to reality in August of 2002, um, seeing monsoons in Flagstaff, freaking out that there's mountains and going, mom, you wouldn't believe what I'm seeing To Oh yeah, it's the desert that they said it would be. And so I can, I can understand that. And I think that helps me identify with the consumer. So when I started in the beginning, um, getting into the idea of a brewery that represented wilderness based on a backpack that I was on, um, the Chiricahua wilderness to be exact, I saw that sign and I said, wow, cool is this? There's a sign that past this point, it designates this land exactly to what it should be. Um, I kind of took all of the ethics and ethos that I've developed based on the story I told you and the values of wilderness and said, this could work together in one unified front. And craft beer was the hottest topic in the world at that time. And I was getting into it like every other home brewer was, but I always treated it like an entrepreneur, you know, I'm no longer a brewer and we hire a lot of great brewers. We do work on recipes and don't get me wrong, we're heavily involved and our love of beer is, you know, it's, it's there as far as the culture of beer goes, but we, um, then it was all about getting a brewery started with the best beer. And so I became obsessed with both the entrepreneur side and the, um, the side of craft brewing that is read every book possible. Back then it wasn't called podcasting, it was live streaming. And we'd get on, listen to these live streams and it was like brewers in their garage. And I got to mix both. And then luckily I met Patrick, um, who could take some of the burden off of me of 
you know, it wasn't going to be a great brewer with my personality. I wanted to be up front talking to the people. So that's where that formed our relationship. He was more of the logistics guy. Turns out he's a sweetheart and very charismatic. Um, and he's kind of, you know, turned from that hardcore brewer to a perfect counter to my balance. Um, and so that answers some of the question, um, the background of kind of how we started. I will say real quick, I'm so proud of myself that I watched our Kickstarter video recently because normally I'm embarrassed to watch it. And the things that I said, we did start with the Kickstarter campaign and the things that I said eight to nine years ago when we made that, I still do. We're going to support local farms and we're going to do these wonderful things. So I'm proud of myself. Even eight years ago with no wisdom, I got, I got something right. So I'm proud of that. And you were, of course, talking about Patrick Ware, who is your compadre in so many ways. He's with you on a lot of your adventures around the state. Obviously, he's your business partner. He's your buddy. Um, talk to me about some of the exploration that you guys have done across the state that has so inspired what you're doing. at Yeah, the yeah if you're going to go pound for pound, the outdoors person, I'm definitely going to be that one. Um, but the, the, my favorite story of all of this is Pat had never backpacked before. And so in the beginning, when he met me, uh, it was all because we look like each other. And there is a beautiful woman who came up to me and said, where were you last night? And I was like, I don't believe. She's like, oh, wait, you look like. And I said, Pat from Santan? Because I get that a lot. So that was the attraction right away. It's like, who's this guy that looks like me? And he, he had the same thing going on. But the way I approached it back then was a little more like, hey, you're going to work for me one day. Um, didn't mean to come off that way. But, you know, I and he was like, no, I'm not, not going to work on that guy. So as I finally impressed him and made him feel comfortable with coming over, I said, one of the things you have to do is backpack. And I chose West Clear Creek. And the poor guy thought um, West Clear Creek in the middle of, you know, June probably 117 in Phoenix. Those were shorts and either five-fingered shoes. And um, there's water. I don't need to bring any of that. And, you know, I'll bring beer and that's it. That was a long night for Pat. But it was an awesome ex um, intro to somebody who, now that I, I, I'm an over-preparer on backpacking, we all should be. But, he, you know, just the idea of Pat going head first into something, that's who we were. That's why our um it's why we formed into that and then you know currently covid um fast forward eight years covid separated us a lot it's not like we didn't see each other at all it's we still did things but i found my true calling which is probably different than just running a business but being in the wilderness and telling its story is something that i um am fascinating by and i think pat gets worn out by my needs for photography um that being golden hour and uh, that cliff, the one cliff over might look better. The one cliff past that will look even better. I think some people get annoyed with that and it's, a, it's become a very self-driven thing. So in COVID, I was, I was by myself a lot in wilderness. Um, and Pat has, you know, still stayed the outdoors type, but he's, he's more um, trail running triathlons kind of stuff. And I like to get lost out there. And I know that you're referencing um, a book project that you're working on um, with your photography, the Arizona Wilderness book. And I actually want to get back to that a little later in the episode. But first, I want to talk about your beer and mm -hmm. your, your, guide, your guiding philosophy. And I, and I actually pulled this from the Wilderness Human Life Instagram page. Um, where you share a lot of the personal aspect, the behind the scenes stuff about 
the brewery and your adventures in the outdoors and that sort of thing. But the guiding philosophy seems to be conservation over consumption and consciousness over corruption. Maybe you could expand on those ideas a little bit for our listeners. Yeah, um, this the first one, consciousness over, um, the, well, okay, first things first, to know how to say those things takes a long time. When we write mission statements, you know, we kind of update them annually. We don't, there's, it, that's not easy to understand. Um, you're in a room, hopefully you're with diverse people. We tend to have white males in the top level and we've had a lot of balance over the past few years. And as we've gotten more diverse, you realize you're speaking for a lot of people, not just yourself. And that one is kind of a personal mantra that Pat and I live by. And we just don't think that consumption should be the um, way of the Southwest right now. We, this is not tree hugging hippie stuff here. We're literally saying we could teach our, um, without laws being completely, uh, you know, autocracy based laws where this is what the government says, you're gonna do it. We could teach the consumer a little more uh, by showing how much water they're using in their house, uh, showing how much electricity and then showing them the median average. I'm surprised we don't do that, you know, as businesses we do. And we just don't think that consumption should be part of the talk. It should be the antithesis to that. So this is an awkward, statement but we have purposely not grown when we could have and you know that's a pat your back um pat your own back kind of thing but the truth is we've had many opportunities to take this quote unquote to the big time we built an international name especially around 2015 through 18 we had people flying all over from all over to see us and and we definitely passed up a few opportunities where we would have taken on some equity partners and it wasn't just the money it was you know the amount of electricity it would take to do that, the amount of water it would take to do that, we weren't quite ready for that. We hadn't had our conservation values and um, it just wasn't there. And that does turn to corruption. When you have that kind of mentality of, hey, if we add more, we'll make more. It, it, it's a magnet. It's the greatest magnet of all. It attracts evil. It does. And we're certainly not, I'm not going to sit here and go, we do everything right. But I don't believe we would be very, um, we wouldn't be Arizona wilderness if we were three to five times the size we are today, which we had full opportunity to do so. So that's kind of the mantra in itself. And then, you know, recently um, I understand that sentiment even more just consciousness in general is when you make a move, who has to do the work? And that's a big question. When you say, I want to add barrelage, we, we call a, a unit of beer barrel, I think two kegs. Who's going to make that? Who has to actually go through that? Is your equipment up to snuff? Now, how much water will that take? And then that's the consciousness part is literally saying um, the, not just getting the profit outcome, but saying what you'd have to do. And then when you put that on paper, you're going to say that's millions of gallons of water that we would have to use just to create a small margin of profit. So that's hopefully that answers that question. Sure. And, and you operate two locations, the original location in Gilbert, and then you have one in downtown Phoenix as well. And both of them are built on these incredible sustainability models Basically, I'm wondering if you can tell us, you know, what are the top three or four things or systems that you've implemented 
to create truly sustainable breweries and eating establishments for the community. Downtown was based on world travel. It was based on um, companies that we loved and trusted. And downtown was great. The arts district allows us to do a lot of things that you wouldn't normally get to do. Number one, no parking. So we can already instill bike values. I just, we love that right away. Uh, the key though was the adaptive reuse. We took a Every business owner has a chance to buy an old building and take an asphalt parking lot and turn it into a, we turn it into a beer garden, but something that's going to re, not uh, absorb heat, but reflect, you know, to, to, to like shade it um, and add value to it. What a cool thing for Phoenix. We, we're proud of that. You know, if you do the before and after of that downtown, a heat island with cracked asphalt and it had barbed wire fencing around it now, it's a it's a way for our whole diverse neighborhood to show itself right on Roosevelt. And then, you know, the simple things are so amazing, but what LED lights and skylights do for your company is insane. Every single business were to think about skylights versus a bunch of fluorescent lights. It's, it's amazing what we could do. I guess my third point is Phoenix uh, Local First has green, Phoenix Green, I believe it's called. Uh, the Phoenix Green Awards. And so they have it where they do give you the report card. I'd highly recommend to companies we do that. And we're very fortunate to get the Platinum Award from them. That's the highest. Things like, where does your waste go? You know, uh, our city does not allow um, others to bid against waste management. And we said, okay, let's look at uh, this place called Recycled City. They've come in a couple of times and it turns out that they compost, turn into soil, and then they raise some farm ingredients on that. And that is going to be you doing it yourself as a business owner. There's no waste management pulling up. You're going to have to call them, deal with some of the smell issues. But we, last year alone, we were able to take 284,000 pounds of landfill waste and divert it to compost. So much of what you're doing, both in terms of brewing beer and creating really awesome food for the people who visit both locations, is that a lot of those ingredients are so, the majority. I, I maybe I'm wrong, but I'd say a lot of the ingredients are sourced from. Depends on the season, yeah. Sometimes yeah. they will be the majority. Yeah, local farms. You know, you're using tepary beans from Ramona Farms to make your veggie burger. Um, you're using Sanawa malt to brew some of your beer. I mean, how did you get connected and so deeply ingrained in the local? Aspect? Ingrained. I like it. Um, <laughs> If you have, uh, even if it's not ownership, a sustainability manager or a liaison to the community, which is, you know, what Pat and I actually play more than anything, um, having someone who can go visit Ramona and understand the cost and the, uh, the audit, which Patagonia and Let My People Go Surfing and the responsible company both talks about auditing your partners. If you have someone in your team who can be dedicated to that, you won't just be supporting local, you'd be supporting local companies that you, you want to see grow too. And if the community grows together, then not only have we mitigated one of the biggest issues is long hauls of um, by boat, by plane, and by car, by semi, um, just to get those beans to you. Now we have 11 miles south of us, we're getting peppery beans sent to us. And there's so many wins, but I think the biggest win is <laughs> hearing Ramona's story. And again, if you're not able to hear that story as a business owner, you're just supporting local, you're missing a huge facet of it. She sat on top of Sacaton Mountain with her father and he, um, their people haven't had a wonderful lineage. If, if you know anything about how Native Americans have been treated here and how, especially the Gila River Indians, um, the tribe there would, 
the Native Americans, I shouldn't you know, say the term Indian, but the Native Americans there, um, they just didn't have water one day. And that's because upstream they're taking it. And that, very, very long story short there. But without knowing that story, I think local does fall a little short and it becomes a little greenwash hashtaggy. So we're trying to really build a system where my chef um, and where my head of restaurant ops and all of our managers and our brewers, everyone knows that what they're using is more than just the product. It's part of it, uh, the new heritage of Arizona. So that's how we try to treat that. Excellent. Now I, w- I want to discuss a little bit what I'll call cause beers and you, and you may have a better term for those, but you know, you've brewed a green for good beer you're working on, or you may have launched, forgive me for not knowing the save Oak flat beer. You did a beer in honor of Bobby Kramer, who was an industry professional, much beloved in the community who was killed in a very terrible accident back in February. Talk me through this decision to give back to your community when the reality is you guys could be making a boatload of money just brewing beer. Why give some of it back? It's so much more fun to be community-based. And when we have a chance to, I think one of the most unique things we've ever done, you named some good ones. I can get into Save Oak Flat where we're at with that because that's a complicated one. But um, the, uh, the people power beer that we did last year for the ACLU, is unique because no one really got that message if they're not paying attention. The ACLU can come off as super uber liberal. Um, And if you know who the ACLU is, I'm assuming you do uh, a little more than others. It's not fair to point that out as liberal in my opinion. It was during the George Floyd um, era, if you will, if that makes sense. Um, we did not choose it after George Floyd. We choo- chose it before, and then it turned into that. And so we got to really, really read and react is what I call our management style. Um, we, we got a letter months later from the ACLU saying you're the s- biggest donation from a small business all year. And wow. it was cool because we got to be close to the ACLU Arizona a little more. And we, they asked the same question, why did you do this? And I don't I don't have like, it's just, we do have a moment where we get to make a decision. This is what happens when you don't have crazy equity owners who really need profits. Uh, Pat and I've designed our life, uh, you know, where we, we pay ourselves a face a fair salary. I've never taken a profit or a bonus. There's never been a profit at the end of the day that I've gotten. So we do get to do this. It's, it is the American dream in my opinion, where we get to influence the community, but we're doing this simply because it can be done and we want to do it. On that note, we got a hold of Access Funds. Access Fund is um, most likely going to either work with us on collaborating on the beer or at least just assisting us in information. So we're going to call it um, Is Nothing Sacred, which is a famous climbing law out there. Our lead brewer, Ashley, she gave us that idea. So do you feel like your experiences in the wilderness, um, and you have been all over the state. Um, Are they what's inspiring the beers? Are they what's inspiring you to protect those lands? I mean, just talk me through how you feel, you know, when you're out there in the great wide open. Yeah, and I can only give you the John at this moment. Um, Sometimes I forget who 10 years ago starting a brewery John is anymore, but I can give you this at this moment, if that makes sense, you know, what I, what I see currently, um, the answer is 100% that's what inspires me and how I inspire the business is, is 
it's transpired from that, from, from my time in wilderness. I've learned this pretty quickly, uh, especially working on this book project. Out of the 84 that I've been to and some spent significant time in, there's just not enough. And it does create a dystopia if you start to think that way. On the other side of it is, it's fair to say that your ancestors push for something, you should protect it. And especially if, if it's good for society, there's nothing other than mountain bikers every once in a while and game of fish getting all upset that they can't drive through it. There's nothing that's con on wilderness and allowing nature to, to be supreme. I have not heard an argument once that says, hey, I have a, a better idea. And everything else on earth, everything else is subjugated to um, a good counter argument. Wilderness has no counter argument. There's nothing that can topple nature supremely reigning. So I've, I immediately, I can just a moment recently standing in the Harkivar wilderness and seeing the spine ridge line and knowing that no one really stands there. And anyone who wants new experiences and complains about wanting new experiences can at any moment see nature in its purest form. Um, it's just, it's a shame that there's not more. It's a shame that the West has parcels that don't connect anymore. But at the same time, you, you can't change the past. You can't complain about it. You just take what you have and preserve. And that, it, that inspiration of preservation is what I try to inspire our business and every employee in it. It's not just being inspired by wilderness, but saying, remember that every bit of that soil uh, is alive and, and understanding that you treat it like we would treat humanely treat other people uh it it will it will stay alive if not it will not be there and i can point out many instances like four peaks i don't think it'll ever come back the way it was started by a car fire you know the four peaks wilderness is dead um and so i do get to see that that side of it too where it can feel dystopian and and i do feel more um, let's act and preserve the state and make beers that would respond to the idea of, of uh, ignorance being um, blissful. And it's not blissful when you see something like Four Peaks. If you ever get a chance to go up the Four Peaks on the Brown Peak Trail, just do it and just kind of stand there and go, I can smell ash still. And it was snowing the day I was up there recently. It's, it's just, uh, it's eye-opening and, it, and, it, and maybe the inspiration turns a little more desperation, but both of those things do come back to the beer for sure. My, the beer is definitely affected by that. Um, I want to talk about the book now, and you mentioned that you've been to 84 wilderness areas, so you have a few more to go. When do you expect to wrap up your yeah. adventures? Well, uh, just... Um, just booked Kanab Creek, got a permit for October. And that was, you know, one of the big ones. Um, and one of the most unique ones that I, I've been dying to get into. So that'll be October. The rest, what I do with these is, uh, you know, my good friend, Joel Hazelton taught me how to, and Paul Gill does it too, but it sets up scenes by planning them before, start to visualize what you want. And sometimes that works. I will say that I'm a little more sporadic than Joel. I can show up um to a wilderness and not know a thing about what's going on and snag a shot or not but the the remaining majority of the remaining ones are on the west side um they're on the west side of the state and without a monsoon or winter rains i'd be shooting uh i wouldn't be thrilled with the scenes i'd be getting um 
speaking of Paul Gill on the photography side, but he has that wildflower flower book and he's got scenes from like Gibraltar wilderness, which I have been, and I've seen it dead. And I'm like, I want to come back in the spring after a rain. And I think that that's fair for the book to have uh, some of these areas represented at their full bloom. And, and I'll probably have to wait till spring for that or post monsoon if we get one fingers crossed. Right. And, and uh, th those planning those trips have been the highlight of my life. It's just been so much fun um, to get into a wilderness, learn so much about uh, geography, and understand, you know, why the matazals are different than soups, why, um, you know, just so many things I could go into, but you get it. It's, it's just, it's been uh, a treasure. And I hope the book will show an imprint on today. You know, I think if anything, a hundred years from now, you can say whether we've done a good job or not, the wilderness should flourish a hundred years from now. And if it's flourishing more based on the photos you've seen that I've taken and documented, that means we've done a good job as society. If you see that hummingbird springs wilderness or something like that, or superstitions wilderness doesn't have a blooming wildflower season every third year, you know that something's changed. And, and we do need to have some of these, I guess, markers to show what they look like. And so that's my intention on that book. Good. You mentioned, of course, Joel Hazelton and Paul Gill, frequent contributors to Arizona Highways. So one quick question, you know, what beer is in your pack when you get to the top of <laughs> You know, yeah, yeah. Very long hike. Uh, seasonally, um, it changes seasonally, obviously. But right now, we have a beer called Don't F*** It Up, a clear message uh, to the new world. We have researched the Gen Zers a little bit and the, the younger millennials who, you know, are, when we were young, we were putting a lot of money into things like craft beer. You know, 15 years ago, we were spending, I still always spend all my money on fun things and things I believe in and trust. And we're looking at the next generation is now getting to be 18 to 21. And how, how are we going to get to them? And authenticity is going to be pretty clear. There's a lot of bakery out there. There's a lot of, uh, you need to be woke. And one of the things that we understand is be direct with your message. And so don't F it up is another way to call it. Um, don't F it up is a clear message. It's also a honey blonde ale, really sim simple to drink as far as when you're hot, tired, and you want thirst quenching. The uh, honey comes from um, Rango honey, which is awesome. Uh, if you know anything about them, they support autism. And we always, you know, the honey topic, we always try to highlight, you know, bees don't survive very well with uh, I'm sitting outside of Ahwatukee, uh booming growth like this and then they don't do very well when there's no rain uh, due to a lot of times global warming and the 1.2 degree raise that we've had it's not good on bees so that beer is um, also Sanago malt and I can get into that if you'd like uh, that that beer has all those aspects and that's probably the beer I'd have the most excellent John thanks for interrupting your ride to join me yeah, I, I wanted some alpha wavelengths going. You know, I'm a big believer in that. I, I think anyone who sits in an office and has these, like, I'm going to direct my company, get out and walk a half mile and just sweat a little bit and you'll come back a much better person. Don't want to miss an episode? Make sure to subscribe. For more information about Arizona Wilderness Brewing Company, visit azwbeer.com. And for more information about Arizona Highways, visit ArizonaHighways.com. Until next time, eat my words. <laughs>